0: You know, there's a lot of things that are up and down. Some people are happy about the minimum wage raising to $14 as of January 1st. Some people not so happy about it. In fact, there are uh, the Ontario Federation of Labour has uh, organized some activists and they're protesting at, at dozens of Tim Hortons locations across Toronto and southern Ontario today. And they say those protests will continue because they feel that Tim Hortons, um, uh, you know, some of the franchisees are, are being bullies to their employees by saying no more paid breaks. And no more uh, paid benefits, Uh, you know, and they are not alone because the premier is on that side as well, has has stepped out and said that uh, at least two of the franchisee owners are uh, bullying their uh, their employees. And in fact, we have Kevin Flynn, who's a labor minister on the line right now. Welcome to the show, Kevin. I appreciate you being here.
1: My pleasure, Kelly. Thank you very much for having me.
0: I really wanted to get you on the line because something came up on Monday about the fact that you announced that you'll be hiring 175 new employment standard officers. I want to know if you can just set it up for us. What do these officers do and why are we hiring that many new officers?
1: Well, as we've been over the past two and a half years with the Changing Workplaces Review, uh, you know, you know, there was organized labor step to the front, business step to the front, uh We heard opinions from a lot of people as to the changes that should be made as a result of uh, the changes that have taken place in the workplace. One thing that became very, very clear, and we were hearing this from all sides, was that, you know, they said, Kevin, it doesn't matter all the changes you make. If you don't enforce them, they really are for nothing. And that came from business, from the good actors, from the people that were obeying the rules. You're saying, look, don't spend time with my business. Go find the bad guys. Go find the guys that aren't doing the right thing here. Organized labor, poverty advocates all said the same thing, that it was taking too long for Employment Standards Act violations and claims to be dealt with. And I agreed with that. So we said we needed about uh, 175 new inspectors in the province of Ontario. We've got the graduating class just going through for the first time in Hamilton, and I understand there's about 35 to 40 people have been trained already and will be on the streets very soon. They can be availed of by either calling in or by Twitter, by online um, contact with the Ministry of Labour. We handle about 2,000 claims a month. Claims are up about, or or inquiries, I should say, are Mm -hmm. up about 30% since January the 1st.
0: So you had this in the works long before the minimum wage uh, increase?
1: Well, yes, yeah, so be, because people, you know, about 1,500 calls a month were coming to us in the past. And that was people that had worked, for example, and they hadn't got their paycheck. People that habitually weren't being paid for stat holidays. You know, there's, you know, a variety of uh, of contraventions were being claimed. Uh, of the then current Employment Standards Act but sometimes it was taking uh, it was taking um, I what I thought was too long to get these folks their money back and when you've worked and you're expecting a paycheck and the check just simply doesn't arrive you know the rent still got to be paid the all the bill payments have to be paid so what we're trying to do is we're trying to deal with these claims a lot more quickly
0: I hear that you're trying to uh, make sure that complaints are resolved within 90 days
1: yeah, that that would be uh that would be our um our initial target. And
0: sometimes Kelly all it takes
1: is a phone call. Sometimes we'll, somebody'll call in and say, Look, my boss isn't giving me this vacation pay and I'm pretty sure they should. You know, our inspectors will contact the employer, he'll say, You know, I'm sorry, I thought I was doing the right thing, I'll change it right away. That's a nice quick one, you know, it gets changed quickly. Others people you know, you can't help but think that they know they're breaking the law and they're hoping that they're gonna get away with it so we we bought in another uh you know another set of provisions uh that would attach a consequence to uh to treating your employees illegally
0: and which is that what is that
1: well it used to be that you couldn't charge interest for example if uh you know if I work for you, Kelly, and you decided one day to stop paying me and I kept working and you owed me $1,000, the most I could ever hope to get back would be that $1,000. And if I got it back six months later or eight months later, I'd still only get that $1,000. And there wasn't any consequence to the person that should have paid me in the first time. We're saying that we should be able to assign interest to that. Uh, We've increased the fines for any contraventions of the Act, the first, second, or third offense. But what we really, really want is compliance. And the vast majority of employers in the province of Ontario Decent organizations run by decent people. They just want the laws to apply to everybody.
0: You raised some eyebrows, Kevin. We're talking with Kevin Flynn, the labor minister, on Monday when you announced for the first time the minister of labor can, by law, publish the names of employers who break the rules. And this is something you're very willing to do. So naming and shaming, what is that going to look like? And can you expand on that?
1: Yeah, I I think some people have portrayed it as naming and shaming. And some people may even use it that way. Currently, under the Occupational Health and Safety Act, for example, if you're charged with a contravention of that act, what happens is uh, our investigators will go out. If they have to, um, if it's warranted, they, they will uh, will lay they will lay charges, and uh, and a court case will follow where the both sides can come and plead their case. What we do is we publish the results of that on a routine basis so that any member of the public can go and just see what happened. It's just I think. I think it's just a hallmark of natural justice. Uh, What we're going to start doing is exactly the same thing. So we've been doing it for the Occupational Health and Safety Act. And let's say you're thinking about going and working for a company. You can go and you can look online at the Ministry of Labour and you can see if that company has been charged with anything under the Occupational Health and Safety Act. You can also go and see if they've been charged now with anything under the Employment Standards Act violations as well. So it really just is increased transparency. Um, naming and shaming—that—that that wasn't. Uh, you know, there probably is a little bit of that in there, but that's not the intent, really.
0: What are you hearing uh, regarding violations since the uh, minimum wage was increased, as far as uh, employers go, and you're getting t- you know calls to the tip line? Well, our
1: our calls are up about thirty percent, but I don't think you could attribute all that to just straight violations. What I think we're seeing there, Kelly, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, it was we're seeing uh, we're seeing a curiosity. We're having people calling up and saying, you know, I don't know what the new rules are. Could you explain the new rules to me? I've been treated this way. Is that illegal or is that okay under the new rules? So it really is. You would expect when you bring in something uh, these types of changes, you would expect some increased interest, um, you know, on our lines. So we've increased uh, the staffing there. So our calls, roughly, as I said, about thirty percent. Typically, we're about 1,500, 1,600 a month. So our calls would be somewhere in the neighborhood of 2,000 calls a month now.
0: I don't want to. I want to get to this Tim Hortons situation because there's rallies going on all over the place. There's protests happening right now, um, organized by the Ontario Federation of Labor. And uh, a lot of people are saying that, you know, the list, the naming and shaming, a lot of people confused it and said, "Okay, well, the Tim Hortons people would obviously be on that. But uh, the Tim Hortons franchise owners, the ones that are clawing back. The benefits and the paid breaks—they're actually not doing anything illegal because that's actually part of the—it's in the Employment Act that you don't have to pay for um, breaks for your employee. So, I guess what I want to know is, isn't the ball in your court to change the labor laws in that situation?
1: Well, two uh, two aspects of that, I think, Kelly. If you look at two circumstances that have happened with. Uh, Ted uh, with Tim Horton's stores, or two things that are alleged to have happened. One is that the employer decided they were going to stop paying for breaks, and the other is that they were going to ask their employees to pay for a share of their benefits. So it clearly, I think, is contrary to the spirit of the act, to the idea that we were going to elevate those people who were at the lower end of the income scale, is we were going to make life a little better for them.
0: But they're following Uh, the rules set out by the government. Oh yeah, that's
1: exactly what I was going to say, Kelly. So how's no, that bullying? No rules are being broken. However, if you look at the uh, at the allegations in Scarborough from the other Tim Hortons, where they said that all the tips had to go in the till, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that clearly is illegal. If that's happened, that clearly contravenes the uh, the tips bill which says that the tips are the tips are for the people that are earning the tips. The tips aren't for the owners of the company.
0: But when our premier came out and said she specifically pointed at two of the franchise owners in Coburg who were uh, not paying for benefits and not paying for breaks and said they were bullying, the reality is they weren't breaking any laws. They're following the Employment Act. They've clawed back what they're going to do as a result of, so say they, uh, the, the new minimum wage.
1: Yeah, what happened there, it was actually the community that brought that to light. I think it was a gentleman that knew people that worked at the store, saw that they'd been issued with a letter and put it online. And the community, I think rightfully so, was outraged. So I thought, well, this isn't any way to treat these folks. Uh, but,
0: but if you're allowed to, to point, treat the folks like that, like shouldn't we be looking well, at the, the Employment Act and, and maybe remedying it if if the, government, the current government so, thinks it's bullying? Shouldn't we look at changing we, our laws?
1: Yeah, Kelly, it's something we could take a look at, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, in the province of Ontario, you you have to give your employees a break. You have to give them a lunch. You can work with them as to how that the, those uh, those breaks or that lunch is taken unless you absolutely require them to remain on the premises. Mm-hmm. And that happens for people like nurses, for example. Nurses would get paid breaks because they have to remain on the premises during that break or that lunch. Um, any other employee uh, in Ontario, and you have to think that the Employment Standards Act is a minimum. A lot of companies grant paid breaks. It's the corporate uh, the corporate policy, as I understand it, of Tim Hortons to grant paid breaks to their employees. So it really was it, it wasn't the illegality of this act. It was the mean spiritedness of this act, and how you legis- how you legislate against mean spiritedness. I I'm I don't know, but certainly is has brought the issue to our attention in a way that we didn't anticipate. We knew that small business would have a challenge with this, but we knew that the rules were fair, that they'd apply to everybody, and we knew they were gonna make a tremendous difference to those folks who were at the lower end of the income scale, working 35 and 40 hours a week and still finding themselves living in poverty.
0: Are you worried that the backlash against all Tim Hortons locations uh, is gonna hurt employees?
1: Well, you know, I, there is there is a little bit of that. There, certainly, I know a lot of Tim Hortons franchisees. Uh, I represent Oakville, which is the uh, headquarters of Tim Hortons themselves. Been tremendous corporate citizens over the years. You think of Tim Bittake, you think of they help the big brothers, big sisters out here a lot. Anytime you're having a community event, you need coffee. Usually the Tim's franchisees are the first guys there. They have environmental days out here there. You know, as a corporation, There really are, I think, a tremendous organization that employs an awful lot of people. It appears that something is happening internal to the company between the franchisees and the franchisors is a difference of opinion. Uh, To see it impact, though, on people that are at the, the lower end of the income scale, the most vulnerable people, I think is really sad. And Tim Hortons, I think, over the years, being a huge Canadian success story, has taken great pains to guard its reputation. And the vast majority of people that I know associated with Tim Hortons, franchisees or not, are decent people that treat their employees well because you know, the front page of Forbes magazine this month, treat your employees well, you'll be more productive, you'll be more profitable. It it makes good business sense.
0: We're talking with uh, Labor Minister Kevin Flynn. Kevin, do you think then, with all that said, you know, about Tim Hortons being good corporate citizens, do you think the premier went too far in calling them bullies? Because, you know, the optics are she might have been aimed at uh, two uh, franchise owners in Coburg, but I think a lot of people heard Tim Hortons.
1: I think think she probably spoke on behalf of a lot of outraged Ontarians who associated somebody with an awful lot of power, somebody that has um, a lot of influence as a result of their position in life financially, uh, exerting power in a way that I don't think would meet with the approval of most people in Ontario uh, unduly on people that deserved it the least. So I, I think she spoke for the majority view of Ontarians who would think when you see that taking place, you think, well, that, that's bullying. There's no doubt about it. Illegal? Probably not.
0: Well, definitely. It's, it's not illegal because we've already covered that.
1: Yeah. But I mean, you know, if uh, we don't know what's going on in all the other companies as well, but certainly sure. the, those, act, those acts that took place would, would not be illegal. You're absolutely right on the Employment Standards Act. But. You know, did they meet the spirit of the act? Was it somebody coming in and telling somebody, "Look, I I can do this to you, so I'm going to." It appeared to be that way, and it really appeared to be a uh, what should have been an internal decision uh, between the franchisors and the franchisees uh, suddenly exploding, you know, and really to the detriment of people that actually need more help not less
0: listen kevin i know you're a busy man before i let you go i just want to play a piece of audio from this tim's rally it's one of the uh, folks that are uh, you know in, involved in the organized protest today here's what they said
1: we're going to protect the rights of every worker across the province of ontario whether they belong to a union or not and to these workers that find themselves in precarious type employment join a union that's how you protect yourselves you have rights when you're members of a union
0: So it seems like there's some union building going on. Do you think people need to join unions to be treated fairly?
1: Well, I think I recognize that voice. That sounds like Chris Buckley from the (laughs) OFL to me, who Mm -hmm. is actually a fine gentleman and uh, is out doing what he thinks is right. Listen, uh, Kelly, Canadians have the constitutional right, the democratic right to join a union, to organize uh if they choose to and they also have the right to not join if they choose to our job as the ministry of labor is to make sure that when those types of decisions are made they're made free of any uh of any undue influence of any bullying of anything like that but i think it's fair to say uh if you treat your employees perhaps the way they've been treated in Coburg, one of the questions that those employees would ask they said do i need to protect myself do i need to join a union should i join a union I think it's a perfectly natural thing for people to start talking about in the sequence of things. I think when you see people being treated that way, they start to uh, they start to wonder what their rights are, or what they could possibly do to remedy this. And joining a union just might be one of them. It's not the role of the government to encourage people to to uh, to join unions. Certainly, isn't the role of the government to put hurdles in their way. Should that be their choice, though?
0: Kevin, I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. I know you're a busy guy, and uh, always a pleasure having you on the show.
1: Thank you, Kelly. I really appreciate it. Cheers.